Brandon. What's up, man? How you doing, brother? <laughs> awesome, bro. So fucking yeah, good, good to, to see you, you and I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, super it was interesting. Awesome. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck we're going to talk about. It's going to be great. Because usually my, my, all my conversations are kind of like, I always tend to drift into like this like really deep philosophical stuff, but something tells me that this is going to be way more fun. And yeah, you're like, dealing with a redneck nowadays. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. going to be the same. So what's, sure. your, what's your redneck philosophy? Um, let me see. Um, put it down there where the chickens can get after it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's actually a really see this is fucking this is fucking, <laughs> fucking deep. Um, so you are uh, kind of like a household name in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world. You uh, you're a uh, known commentator and you're a coach. And the reason that first of all, since I met you in in Nosara, was like two months now. Yeah, in about two months. You, you immediately became one of my favorite people. And I think it's because, well, first of all, the fact that uh, you're so light, like there's no fucking, there's nothing too serious and you're really good at what you do. You really love what you do. And that's, that's there's like, when people are infatuated with what they do, there's something very uh, fun about that. There's the, you literally live this, but also you don't, take yourself too seriously you're just kind of yeah definitely yeah. not too seriously yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i think that's a big one that's like a that's a th thing that i sometimes lacking i think that one of the main reasons that i enjoy your company is, is that but also the fact that what i noticed is that you have those like insights into what you do in the sport that you because oh, you coached a little bit in Nassar, like when i met you and you you share those little quips like those little I guess actually very deep philosophical things about uh, fighting and what a warrior is and all that stuff. But again, you don't make it too too serious, but it's it's very profound. And what I've noticed is that your ability to understand this whole sport and everything around it is you you understand it in a way that is executable. It's not just, you know some people are just like talking about it like in deep philosophical terms, but you literally apply that in a way that is. Uh, it's very impressive. So I think that's one of the reasons, Thanks, I guess, man. yeah, it, it, it kind of like fits in the, in, the, in the sphere of what I'm trying to do with the podcast, which is trying to focus on people that, A, really good at what they do, but also that they have some insights about, you know, life and everything else. So I don't know how much of that I'll be able to squeeze out of you yeah. because you don't want to come across as too I'm serious. I'm ready. No, dude, yeah, I'm yeah. ready. But we, we talk, we're totally going to be like, uh, we're going to walk this ground like very lightly. Don't worry. So, um, do you have, um, you, you, do you have a favorite subject outside of that? Like outside, outside of jujitsu? Jiu yeah. Um, I love music, man. That's right. I love okay. music. Okay. So let's talk about music for a second. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because this is something that you, uh, you, you used to play in a band. I did. Yeah, I've been playing music way longer than I've been doing martial arts. Okay. So I started playing guitar when I was. I blew out my knee when playing I was in high school playing basketball. <laughs> oh. And. Uh, and you so, can do it playing dr drums, I guess. I guess, yeah. yeah. Not. I think you'd need to be pretty good, though, or pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I blew out my knee, and so I used that time while I was off of athletics. I was like, I think I just want to learn to play guitar. So I just basically hold myself up in my room while I was recovering, and I started down that path. And, yeah, so I've been playing guitar for – I'm 42 now, so however many years that is. And you sing. As well, I do. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you could say that I sing well, but I, I definitely sing. <laughs> so you feel way more comfortable playing guitar than singing? No. Okay, so no. you do both. Yeah, I do both. But neither one, like jujitsu and, and music, you don't really like. You love both, right? You don't really have like one over the other or something. Like no, that. I definitely like jujitsu more. more than anything. Really? Yeah, yeah for sure. Interesting. Yeah, but they scratch the same itch though for me. Like they kind of scratch the, the same. Itch? Yeah, creatively. Okay. So. <clears throat> Like I used to just play and obsess about music every day, but as I got more and more into training, I noticed that I was playing like it. Not that it was replacing it, but it was it was filling the same gap, if that makes sense. So whatever music was doing for me, like emotionally or mentally or whatever, spiritually whatever, jujitsu started to fill those same gaps in the same way but to a, like a deeper level for me. I don't know if that's just because I have like a proclivity for it or... For violence? Uh, no, I definitely don't have a proclivity for violence. Just for the um, the problem solving of it, maybe. Yeah. 
That's it's, a big it's, one, isn't it? It's a it? creative expression for sure. What is it about? So let's say, so you know, I have some very surface level understanding of jujitsu, uh, but let's say, let's pretend that we're talking to people that know nothing about jujitsu. Okay. What what is it about jujitsu that is more problem solving oriented than any other martial art like Muay Thai or like uh, with, with with let's say yeah like boxing or. Well, let's just take boxing, for example. Okay. There is a limited set of tools that you're allowed to use, right? So I've only got these two tools, really. I can use my footwork, my head movement. But really, other than that, there's only so many possible ways I can put this together. You know what I'm saying? Is and that true? Like, isn't it as infinite if you actually kind of like go into the thing or you think it is more limited? I think it's more limited for okay. sure. I, and that doesn't mean, uh, simpler doesn't mean less beautiful necessarily yeah. or how much you can explore it of course correct yeah. but i see what you're saying so in bjj you have more like first of all you use your entire body there's yeah. there's yeah and there's, then you got the element of we're not this way we're this way now so, so why does that matter well because we have this element as well we have the standing element and then there's the ground element oh, I and so see. not you if i get you into a bad position on the feet you can use your footwork to re to regain position right but if i get you into a bad position on the ground you're stuck to the floor. And so you have to, you have to be able to manage not just Isn't yourself. Is that to go kind of thing? You don't have to be able to manage not just me and my opponent, but me and my opponent as it relates to the floor. So and so it opens component. up all these new mode, like modes of movement. So then why, I, I, I think maybe I asked you this before, but I actually don't remember what you answered, but like, then why not take it to even a harder problem solving like MMA? Why not go there? Yeah, I don't know that MMA is a more difficult problem to solve. It's just a different problem. Isn't it more difficult because there's more elements to worry but it's about? Not as, it's, generally speaking, it's not as deep because it's taking the, like if you narrowed it down to the 20% of things from this art that yield 80% of the results, and then the 20% of things from this art that yield 80% of the results, whereas in jiu-jitsu we're looking at the 100% right here like all of the ground fighting techniques that are available to somebody, not just, I'm not just, because you know, in MMA you gotta spend, let's just make it simple, a third of your time on grappling, a third of your time on getting the fight to the floor, and a third of your time on striking. And so you, just by nature of the fact that you're having to explore three arts, plus your strength and conditioning training, and learning how so to So how is this weight. not more difficult? Jiu-jitsu? How is it not then, more No, how is, it, how is what you just you described about MMA not more difficult than just doing... I'm not saying it's not more difficult. I'm saying it's a different problem. It's a different problem. It's a different problem okay. to solve. It's, uh, so you're only going to be able to go to a certain depth in each, individual, in each of those individual arts because you have to spread your time amongst all three, right? Whereas in, if you're just doing jiu-jitsu... You don't have to split your time in striking. You don't necessarily, you got to spend some time in wrestling, but you don't have to devote that much time to, you know, cage work and stuff. So you get to explore a lot more of the complexities that are involved in jujitsu because I'm not devoting myself. Yeah, to but, so but I can that, go deep down the rabbit hole. But that's true of everything. That's so, true of everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, I guess. I guess, it, would you say that it's more a matter of like just that's the flavor that, that just stuck with, like the thing that yeah, really... Well, I love, I love martial arts. So right? you've done some MMA, right? My, I've trained a lot of MMA. Okay. I, did, I did a lot of striking. I've got black belts in other arts. What do you have black belts in? Tung Sudo Muruk Kwan, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like Taekwondo, sort of. Okay. And that's the style that we started in. How far into your martial arts training did you encounter... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, right away. Oh, so well, Yeah, like... I knew about Jiu-Jitsu before we started training. But um, we started, there wasn't a Jiu-Jitsu school here. And so there was nobody to learn from. Alabama. So, yeah. Not, there were some in Alabama, but I think there were like three black belts in the whole state when I started. And so there was no, and they weren't close enough for me to like go and train with them. And like I could go and visit them and learn from them, but I, I couldn't have made the drive especially at that time i didn't know how valuable it was right so i wouldn't have been willing to, even if i could have made the drive i wouldn't have been willing to because i didn't understand yet um 
I don't even remember what the original question was. It doesn't matter. <laughs> how, how did you end up, how did you oh, meet? Uh, yeah, that? how did we get into Tungsu to uh, Jiu-Jitsu? No, how did you, like, so first of all, you're saying that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was pretty much there from the start for you. How old were you when you? Well, it was there from the start because the karate school that we signed up with, the Tungsu, the Tungsu Do school, they had MMA classes on the weekends. And we, me and my wife, we started on the same day. She was the one that actually Oh, you told me that. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, she's a, she's much better at this than I am. <laughs> I know For it's real hard. or are you just being? No, dude, I'm serious. It's What do you mean, upsetting. like she's better at the sport? Yeah, she's so good. She's wow. so good, it makes me very frustrated. So she she like competed in everything, like she yeah. like legit, okay. Yeah, wow. she's great. She's a, I'm a second degree black belt, she's a first degree black belt, but we've been training the same amount of time. So I just competed a lot more than she did. So yeah. I got to kind of move through the ranks faster. How did you get to me? Because you came up under Eddie Bravo, right? That's yeah. you, you went, you were black belt under Eddie, well, it's 10th planet. You you now run a 10th planet in, in Alabama. It's uh, hilarious. It is, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, how did you get to that? I mean, Eddie's in LA, right? And yeah. you, I think you told me that you literally went there just for that. Mm -hmm. uh, he came out and taught a seminar out here in Birmingham. And I didn't really know anything. I didn't know who he was really. Oh, and so I, you did, Oh, I thought you already did and no, that's why you went. Okay. No, no, no. So he came and he took, he's teaching a seminar like an hour and a half from here. And then one of the guys I was training with up there at Webster's was like, hey, dude, Eddie Bravo is going to be teaching a seminar. I was like, I don't know who that is, dude. Who's Eddie Bravo? And he's like, just trust me, you should go. I was like, dude, I'm broke. I can't go. And he's like, if I pay for you to go with me, so I don't have to go by myself, will you go? I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go. And that's how I met Eddie. Wow. And I don't know, dude, we just, I loved him right away. You just clicked. Yeah, I loved yeah, him yeah, right yeah. away. And so, and yeah. And also just, around music, you said. Yeah, but even at that time, um, I was way more serious about music at that time, for sure. Um, but that, we didn't really have that kind of, we weren't friends. You got know, it, got like it. So you now. just met him and it was just on the mat, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, was it, not, it was totally on the mat. He taught for like six hours that first day I met him and we just all drilled and I rolled with him. And I was like, man, I need to know what this guy knows. Because after he put his hands on me, I was like, dude, I never felt anything like that before. So this, some, know that. so this is something interesting you told me when I met you, when we talked about Eddie a little bit. You said that most people don't understand how good Eddie really is. Yeah. And you said he's, you said something that to me at the time sounded a little crazy, but I, so I want you to talk about it shortly. You said that he probably is one of the best people in martial arts in the world, period. Yeah, I think so. How does that express itself? Just in his ability to be creative and his ability to teach. What What is that about him that makes you say yeah, that? Yeah, and also just in his ability to take these ideas, these kind of like open-minded ideas that he has about martial arts and actually put them into practice against a resisting opponent. Like that's re ultimately, it has to come back. It's martial and Exec it's art. Execution. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're you saying his execution is, is like he's great, top man. of the line. Yeah, he's great. I mean, you know, he's, what, I guess he's 52 now. No, 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 but I mean so, in his career. Like, obviously, yeah, he made a yeah, name for man, himself he, for a reason, but. He uh, he took a really unique approach to problem solving in jujitsu, and he just ran it up the food chain, tested it to the highest level that he could. He, did, he never did become a world champion, but he did beat two times one of the greatest players to ever live, Hoyler Gracie. Yeah, that was the, the that legendary fight. That was... Yeah, and he beat him, he beat him again ten years later. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, that must have been such a crazy. Here comes this kid out of nowhere, and nobody expected. Yeah, that. he was a brown belt in two thousand three at ADCC in Sao Paulo. Um, Eddie was a brown belt. He won the ADCC trials on the West Coast, and so he got invited to come enter the tournament. Hoyler Gracie's in the tournament. He's won it multiple times. Nobody's ever even scored a point on this guy in ADCC rules. Eddie runs out, wins, chokes out a world champion in his first match, meets Hoyler in round two. He's still, he's not even a black belt yet. He triangle chokes him. Just like, what, who, who is this guy that just beat Hoyler Gracie? And so that was his last match that he had for like 10 years. Oh, and then he just started Yeah, talking. he didn't even win that tournament. Oh, but yeah, it was just he, the fact that, so you basically, it was like this crazy moment in the sport. Yeah. And everybody started paying attention. Yeah. So he could utilize that to actually start a school yeah, and, that's exactly and, and explore what and explore his creativity through that. That's exactly what happened. That's amazing. And yeah, then so uh, they had a re everybody was talking trash. Oh, he would never be able to do it again. And so finally, 10 years later, they meet again. 
and Eddie, all these things, these 10 years of creativity and being obsessed with jujitsu every day, he takes that to the mat and he just, like the first match against Hoyler, that was a close match. The second one was a total blowout and it was all of these things that nobody in jujitsu really does. Just out of Eddie's creativity. It was, it's wild to watch, especially like in the context of it happening in real time. I was a purple belt when he beat him the second time. And I was just, it was, it's amazing to watch. It was, it was really incredible. Yeah, because he innovated a lot in the sport, you said, right? And he also the one that yeah. put a lot of emphasis in doing only no gi. Yeah, really and one of the first guys. I don't want to say he was the first guy to ever do no gi because that's probably not true. But he was really the first guy who like went all in and like was an advocate for, man, maybe we should drop the gi. Maybe that's holding us back. So 10th Planet, all over the world or all over the country, Always no gi. there's no gi at all. Always no gi. It does make sense though. Because why not have it the most functional? It makes right? sense now. It's obvious, right? But when it when he did that, that was like taboo. The community, the jiu-jitsu community was not behind that at all. Well, yeah. But how does that, he just didn't care? Yeah, he's just like, look, this is what I think. And um, I'm just going to put my theories and ideas to the test. And so he opened his own school and did that. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. when people stand their ground on something they believe is true. And again, Eddie has that the, the same element that you do, which is like he doesn't seem to be taking himself so seriously. Yeah, he's, like a, this, he's a trip, man. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, I he's, love he's, 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 he's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no, no doubt. Wait, when uh, when because for some reason in my head was they kind of like him and Joe started at the same time, but that's not at all true, right? No, was, Joe was taking privates from Eddie when Joe okay, was first getting started. Okay, okay, okay. That's what because yeah, I know you also get yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know them, why. I guess in my head because they're such good friends. Because of that, it just seems like they started something together. But no, he was basically yeah. So Eddie got his black belt from Jean Jacques Machado. Joe also got a black belt from Jean Jacques Machado. Oh really? Wait, uh, wait, wait. Didn't he get it from Eddie? Yeah, he's also got a black belt from Eddie with no gi. So Eddie has. Oh, a those separate... are two separate black belts. Because yeah. I remember I saw that video when Joe like gets all teared up. Yeah. And then so he got his black belt from Eddie first, and then to be a black belt in the gi, like there's other things you need to know. Oh, like so just like, like to be a black belt in no gi, there's a couple of different ways of doing things you need to. So th they're kind of separating into their own discipline over I time, see. even though technically it's all still the same. You know, but Eddie won't give you a black belt unless you got certain things down. So you could be a black belt in the gi, and he'd be like, well, you can be a brown belt when you start with me, but I got some more expectations that I want to see. So it's, I don't care about the gi stuff, you know, get rid of that, take these specialties instead, and then you'll be a black belt on the other side. Do you think you can tell or that's bullshit uh, from, from like an early stage? If somebody's um, going to be really good. Man, sometimes you can, you can tell, but... That's pretty rare. I've really only had maybe like two or three people over all the years that from the minute that they walked through the door, I was like, oh man, that guy's going to be good. And it turned out that way. Usually the people who stick with it, it takes, in my experience at least, it takes them a little while to get the hang of it. But it's that like perseverance through the difficulty at the front, I think, is what ends up making them special. So, or maybe they become special because of that. So it's just the ability to grind. It's the ability to always show up. And to stay like childlike and interested with it. Right. Always, I think. But then what, and again, I, I know we talked about it a little Nobody bit. Nobody gets through if they don't grind, no matter how talented they are. No, no, obviously. But what, what is, and again, I actually don't remember what you answered on that, but like the, the top in the world, right? Uh, the, what's the guy's like, oh, like the best guy in the world now yeah what's his name gordon again? ryan oh gordon ryan is the best i think so yeah what makes him that much better than everybody else is it because it's it can't just be the grind i'm sure there's other people in the world that can grind yeah, as much or harder even okay but what why why is he so good then well he's i think it's a couple of factors i think number one he has the most important thing that you have to have which is like almost um a manic obsession with jujitsu so just like tunnel vision. Yeah, like okay. nothing else matters in some ways. You know, I, I get, it's almost unhealthy. You know, it can. I've definitely seen it become unhealthy for people. But from all the people in the world, he's the only one that has that kind of focus. No, no, no. Okay. But that's that's definitely a factor. Okay. Like nobody gets there without that. Right. Right. And then you got to have an insane work ethic. Right. Some people have the obsession, but they don't have the work ethic. Some people have the work ethic, but they don't have the obsession to be like creatively experimental and stuff in their training 
Um, some people just don't have the physical gifts to reach elite athlete status. Uh, like no matter for like me for instance, no matter how good I get, I'm never going to be an elite athlete. You know what I'm saying? Why? Um, well, you you don't think you can take your? I mean, obviously, right now you you're not interested anymore. Yeah, but let's I'm say you'll be interested. To. But let's say you would be. You don't think you can take your cardio and everything else to the level that it needs to be? Uh, yeah, I probably could, but I don't know about to be as good as Gordon is. You know mm. what I'm saying? I think I could definitely be better than myself, right? But like, you know, no matter how good I get at basketball, no matter how much attention I pay to it, I'm always going to be five foot eight. You that, know what I'm saying? That's true of certain sports. Yeah. Uh, like, like in basketball, that that's very pronounced, right? Because of height. Right. But... I feel like in jiu-jitsu, isn't, isn't jiu-jitsu known to be the ground where really the work is the... Yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's the combat sport, maybe even the sport where athleticism matters the least. But to say it doesn't matter would be crazy, you know? So yeah, because it's something that you told me when, when you gave us a few lessons in Masara, which is that you always want to try to bring your students to a level where if, if they have the ability, if they have the time and the ability, obviously you said in the competition, you do whatever it takes in that moment. But to the extent that it's possible, in the moments that it's possible, you wanna instill in your students that technique should come before everything else. So you should exert the least effort when you can, right? That's the-, the Yeah, basically. And would you say- Minimum that, effective dosage, right? If, if two ibuprofen will do the job, I don't wanna take the whole bottle. Got it. And would you say that then in a perfect world, if you have the perfect technique, you, you really can get away with almost like exerting minimal effort. Yeah, I would say that. And I think we see that out of Gordon. So mm. I think there's a couple of other factors with him though. And these are, to me, are the two most important factors. He's got a guy who I think most people in the sport would agree that he's the best coach in the world, John Donner. And that he's got a room full of guys who are some of the best training partners and practitioners in the world. So all of that together, and then uh, a lot of steroids. All of that together. Are they allowed or no in sport? Well, you know. No, no, I mean they, like they kinda, officially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah kind of yeah. look the other way. Yeah. So what is it? What you think? Nothing on the rule books about any of it. Okay. What's your think on the whole steroid thing? Like, would you say that if if uh, if we're all adults and people choose to do it, and it would be should it be legal? Because I mean, the the, the you know, there's always the same argument, right? It's uh, in the end of the day, even if you take steroids, not everybody can be on those levels. The yeah. fact that they're on those levels is just let them do whatever they want and it's going to bring them even to higher levels and then we're going to see even a more exciting sport, yeah, right? Yeah, I think or do that's you think a great argument for baseball or basketball. I think it's a lot more complicated when I'm trying to hurt you in our sport. You know what I mean? Because now Why I'm, well, because now I'm sending myself to superhuman levels and I've got your safety in my hands a little bit. No, but what I'm saying is that if then bring the other person also to that level, right? Yeah. You bring them to like I, uh, I really don't have any issue with steroids. Other, I have an issue with abuse of anything, but I don't really have an issue with like somebody who's being observed medically and they're trying to do it in a way that is safe for their body. Uh, I just don't think that okay. that's bad. But I do understand also the other side of the argument is, well, if I'm a regular dude and I'm going up against a guy who's you know, he's training just as hard as me or maybe even harder. And, and he's on steroids and he grabs my shoulder and starts ripping it. He's got a lot more potential to drive damaging force through me in a competition setting. You know, in the gym, of course, nobody's going to do that. So it's just the level of damage. Yeah. I mean, think Would about you... it. if I'm delivering, like in MMA, if I'm delivering shots to your head and I'm generating force that I wouldn't naturally be able to generate, we're just, there's other factors to consider in that. Even if I, even if my opponent is consenting, I'm still driving extra force through your skull with my shin bone that I wouldn't have been able to do on my own without yeah, yeah, assistance. Yeah. So that's I think actually, it's complex of combat sports. Yeah, yeah, no, that's actually the the answer that a friend of mine who was, uh, he was competing, I don't remember if he ever went to the Olympics, but he was competing at a very high level, high level uh, just pole vaulting. Just, oh, okay. Yeah, and I asked him a similar question. It's like, why, why do we care? Like, just let people do even crazier shit, right? They, they're in it, obviously, uh, even just uh, cutting weight is super dangerous, right? Yeah, we all sure, know that. Yeah. That's like a, right? So you do things that are super dangerous. Either, and hey, the sport itself, 
MMA and, and, and even in BJJ, like there's a lot of dangerous moments, right? So that's the game, right? I'm not saying, but he said, yeah, but the ethics of it, it's like you, you do play here with a level, the, the margin of, of danger is like increasing to such a degree that even in things like pole vaulting, which is not. Yeah, I don't know enough about pole vaulting to have a strong opinion on it, but. No, he's just talking about their health. Like he's talking about like what it does to your heart. Oh, what yeah, it that's does what to... I'm saying. I think it needs yeah. to be medically supervised. I think maybe we should just set a limit like nobody's levels go above this and everybody gets tested every week. Yeah. And so, so you do think you it's can a good take thing up like... to, you can have your levels at 1200. That's the limit we're putting. Tooth out, whatever, something crazy. I just feel like, you know, human, like to take it to like a absurd level, right? I always feel like the second they invent the true invin invincible suit, like, you know, like like bear suit, but like really, like you, the second they have that, somebody's gonna invent, uh, I don't know, uh, something to break it. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> They're gonna invent something ridiculous. Like, I always think of the example of like, uh, Tornado surfing, like fucking going into, you know what I mean? Like the second oh, you have yeah. something indestructible, somebody's gonna be doing fucking tornado surfing. Yeah, dude, it just goes into tornado and fucking core stuff. You like go watch. It's fucking lightnings, like and cows flying all around you, and you're just like fucking. <laughs> so like you you would have that right, and as long as you you can keep a certain minimal amount of like, okay, maybe there's a good chance you won't get hurt, then people would do that. So that's that's the only question for me. How much more dangerous do steroids actually make it? You know what I mean? It's like. Because, I, because we're there to be entertained. We're there to see something insane, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so. I wish it was legal, but I do understand the other side of the argument. And so I want to. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, of I, course. I, I feel like I got to at least hear. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, man. That's an interest, That's a valid concern. But the problem is people are going to cheat. They're going to cheat either way. Yeah. They're going to cheat. Yeah. And so if they're going to cheat, then that's that danger is already inside the sport that concern that we have that oh, we don't want that superhuman level of athletics to be in this well it's already in the sport so why not just admit that it's going on and open it up to everybody to be able to do it in a safe and monitored way to the extent that it's possible because yeah. i actually i wasn't even aware that the the level of injury uh, and the size of the injury that is available for people in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, not even in MMA, is that crazy. I didn't know that until I met you. Like that, and then I started watching all those videos. I'm like, holy shit! Like you just snap people's yeah, shins can, and like you can ruin somebody's life for sure. That is so fucking crazy. Yeah, we go do it every night. So but you know that doesn't <laughs> you really. You look giddy about it. <laughs> I, I like it. I don't know. I'm twisted, I guess. How, and that's cool. But I'm, I'm so confused by that because you're like, yeah, you're talking about like safety and stuff. You said, yeah, I mean, if it's me or him, and we're in a competition, and. Well, that's what we're because we entered the competition together. I'm putting my, I'm taking your safety. I'm putting it all on you. You keep yourself safe. I'll keep myself safe, and that's the agreement. Wow, man! You know? that's... And and that's a good agreement, you know. And but I also agree that when you've had enough, I won't take it any further. It's just, I guess, what I remember you saying is that. It, so why not just let them the the option to tap. And you said, well, sometimes if you give them the option to tap, they will not tap. They will just keep yeah. coming at you, so. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people, I, I think it's good. I would, I would like to always give my guys the option to tap. Some people don't exercise that right and they force you to go the rest of the way with it. The, uh, by the way. That never happens in the gym, but that definitely happens in competition all the time. That's the best part. That is the best part. Yeah, leave, the, that, leave that in. Oh, I'm leaving that in leave for sure. Leave the train, Dad. The, le the train is in, but I don't know how much <laughs> is going to be heard. Um, oh, you have to wait for just a second. It, it is always getting in on my videos, always. It's really close, huh? Yeah, it's literally right there. Oh, look at that fucking samurai just now seeing it. Who drew that? Oh, over on the wall? Yeah. That's a banner, but there's one right there that somebody, one of my students made for me. Oh, he wow. drew it with a marker, a Sharpie marker. That's fucking sick. And he drew it on wood with a Sharpie marker and then cut it out. Well, some people are just so creative, it's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty amazing. That's And then there's Ron Burgundy right there. Yep. See, that's the that's the both sides of my personality there. There's the samurai and Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Do you think you could live that life? The Ron Burgundy life? No. <laughs> Uh, I could probably come closer to living the Ron Burgundy life than the Samurai. 
Um, yeah, parts of it. No, like you, you think if you I live think, in that time and that would be available as a lifestyle, you would um, do that? I'm too. I'm too soft to live in. No, no, really. I'm asking you for real. modern times, probably. No, no, but like in in your spirit, do you feel that that? Yeah, I definitely you... resonate with that thing. Like I, I really. It's like the true warrior that is just yeah, like I the honor and the whole. I don't know how well I embody it personally, but that that part of martial arts speaks to me more than any other part, for sure. What is it about it? I don't know. I don't know if it's just like romantic. Is it, is it the, the, yeah, I was about to ask, it like the romantic code of honor or is it just Yeah, like, it's, there's a lot of that to it for me. It just, just feels right. Yeah. It just feels like, I feel like kind of drawn to it. Interesting. But I don't know that, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know how much of that I truly embody, but I, like just the idea of waking up and devoting yourself to the pursuit of one thing like that idea really resonates with my soul you know so i always because i always wondered you know we think of it of oh, these things in terms of movies because we always see it in movies but ask yourself like what is what is the like what is the daily routine of a ninja right you wake up in the morning what do you do you do ninja stuff like it's what? boring yeah, it's just like it's what the boring. Fuck? It's rote repetition. If you want, and mastery. that's and by the way, but that's 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 also another thing that is fascinating. Because think about it. Like now we have dojos and schools, right? Back then, obviously, they also had stuff like that. But the second you become a full fledged like samurai and stuff, you you just train yourself, right? That's essentially like you just do it yeah, by you yourself train with your students. Yeah. Oh well. Wait, didn't they live in kind of like this? Some of them. Yeah, I mean, like the Ronin. Like Musashi himself was a okay. Ronin. I actually don't know a lot about it. So what what is the so the, the Ronin is like a type the of a Ronin, samurai. Yeah, yeah, it's like a samurai with no master. He oh, like the nomad, like the the knight. The, yeah. The, so the most famous samurai is Musashi Miyamoto Musashi, and he was a Ronin, and he just he believed he had a style that was superior to any of the styles that were coming out of these schools, and so he would just go and challenge. He'd be like, listen, my style is better than you and all your students and I'm willing to do a duel to the death to prove it and he was always right it turned out how many people he killed 62 oh I think Joe Rogan was talking about him himself. yeah isn't that the, the guy he, he tattooed on his arm or something yeah I think that is Musashi on the oh, okay Musashi interesting 62 is a lot of people man in your life in, in yeah. your life and just to prove a point well you know what is beautiful about so if you ever never read the book of five rings, you definitely have to. It's a, the book that was written by Musashi. I'm about to travel a lot, so I'm definitely going to read it. Get it, dude. Okay, get it. I'll get it today. probably my favorite. It's that and the I'm Art still of Learning. halfway through the other book you recommended. Oh, yeah, The, the Art, Art of, of Learning. learning yeah. So those are my two books, you know. Okay. The Art of Learning and the Book of Five Rings. Um, but what the to me, the most like impactful part out of the Book of Five Rings is like once you see the way broadly, you see it in all things. And... The idea that jujitsu or, or really any martial art, or really music or whatever, that the lessons that you derive from the small are really lessons about the large. But and then the deeper is above, so below. Exactly. As below, so above. Yeah. Once you see the way broadly, you see it in all things. So once you understand patience in hand to hand combat and, oh, I guess there is patience involved in fighting. This, if you're open to it, this lesson can explode across all the other areas of your life as well. So for me, jujitsu is just, it's a microcosm of the real world with, it has like an immediate feedback loop. I have this idea. I'm going to try it. Well, that guy was resisting and he didn't want you to do it that way. And that didn't work out. And now you're strangled unconscious. Okay. Back to the drawing board. So and then once, but once you grab those lessons and you kind of like take them in beyond the, okay, I know what move to do, but I intuitively just do this now. Once it becomes ingrained in your DNA, that lesson is ready to be kicked out across your entire life. If you've got the patience and the discipline to like hear those lessons, everything you're going to know, you already know. You just don't know you know it yet. So you it's know? almost like it unpacks itself in other things. So, so one thing... I think so, yeah. Yeah, No, I agree with you. I think anything on a high level will, will give you yeah, that. Yeah, I think music's the same way. Probably archery, uh, being an author, 
uh, uh, carpenter, probably all of those things. And that's what, you know, that's one of the big things of the samurai lifestyle is the way of the pen and the sword, you know. The pen? Yeah. What is the pen? The pen. Oh, the pen. Yeah. Okay, I was like, I'm from uh, the country, so we say pen. Pen. <laughs> the pen and the, the pen. sword. I thought they were fighting yeah. with a little the pen warrior and the sword. The warrior poet. Interesting. You know? Because, hmm. Oh. It's art for art's sake. Like, why, why do I continue to train? Like, am I training to try to be the best guy in my school? Like, I'm not trying to be the world champion. So why do I keep coming back out here every day and putting myself through these same routines that I've been doing for all these years? It's art for art's sake. Like, why do you play guitar? You're not going to have a top 40. Because I like playing guitar, dude. Because it does something for me that nothing else really does that way. And I think for me, like jujitsu is just the ultimate expression of that. One of those things that you told me uh, in between all the very funny jokes, you you have those like very brilliant, profound <laughs> insights. And one of those things was that, which is that, for example, you took this lesson from one of. The, I asked you, what is what are those lessons from Brazilian jujitsu? Can you give me an example how it applies to life? And you said, well, you can apply a lot of what you do with your body to how you conduct yourself internally. So there's a certain way, like there's, there's how you allow somebody to influence your mood or your heart, or you, you gotta be flexible. You gotta allow for certain things because you can't control other people, but what you can control is your frame. Mm -hmm. And you can't, so this is like, it sounds, see, this is the thing. Like if it were just written in a book by some professor who studied this or that, it doesn't have the same impact as somebody who took it from like a daily routine of a practice. Because and there's some... the cool thing about jujitsu is I can express that to you physically so that you can feel that, oh, wait, there, there is something here that I don't understand. Yeah. And he's making a connection that it's actually not only do I not know how to do it physically, but the lesson is something on the other side of the physical. That's what's actually in teaching the physical, you know. So learn one from the other. That's, that's a big one, isn't it? The thing beyond the physical. We're, we're slowly moving to like understand more and more of that. Uh, w do you think that there's something that it, what do I want to say about the samurais? Oh, so they were what exactly? Were they soldiers? What was the? Yeah, basically they were just servants of the either the emperor or the feudal lord in their area. Okay, so they were essentially, and then some of them were religious. Yeah, samurai is like a servant. Okay. Basically, it just means servant. Did the nose out of fight really well? Yeah, exceptionally well. That's, he's dedicated his life to this single pursuit. He wakes up every day, and he starts his day with that on his mind. And this is the romantic version, right? No, of but course, they have real lives that they're going through. They have to through. take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> with the two swords. But this is the romantic idea. Yeah. This is how we've romanticized it into, and, and that's how I internalize it. Like, I'm trying to take the lessons of that, even if, even if it's myth, even if it's just the hero's journey. But those stories are powerful. And so b being able to take the lessons from that and go, okay, I can glean this from that. I can glean, this. even if it's just a romantic idea. No, but a lot of powerful. it is probably true yeah, because, because life or death situations would bring out the most romantic and the most serious thing. I mean, I think that uh, I, I always look at it like what romanticism actually is, is the sting in life. There's no bigger sting than yeah. death, right? So, so if you have death on the line all the time, there's gonna be a certain element to your life that is very profound constantly, yeah. right? Somebody, I forget who said that, but, and I'm sure this idea was reiterated uh, infinitely, but that nowadays, the way we live our lives now, the reason that we're so preoccupied with nonsense is because, like, actually, not that we want to go back to that, but, like, you know, during Second World War, like, those were, like, serious problems. And because of it, all human connection was way more profound. Like, falling in love during a war feels very different than falling in love at Starbucks. It makes totally sense. You know, and that, and then I think that weight, now obviously, again, we want to aim always towards like bettering humanity and everything, but that's why the only outlet we got left of like feeling those profound moments is doing some things that are hard and then finding 
those deep insights in which not some other person told you about them, but you you heard it from life. Yes. Because on the mat, like it's okay, there's the other person, but this whole situation is it, it's life expressing, right? So it's like you learn that from living life. It's not the same as like somebody again told you about it and then you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, you're like, oh shit, this is this is real. Like this either works or it doesn't work. And that is like, it's as real as it gets. We're summarized mostly, I know you get back to it, but I'm actually, I realize I know very little about it and I'm fascinated by it. Would they focus mostly on the sword? Or yeah, for sure. Well, the samurai, they would do archery. They would have multiple swords. Musashi uh, famously killed somebody with a boat oar in a duel. In a, with a what? I'm with sorry. a boat oar. With, he fought the guy with a boat oar and he killed As him. a choice or he just what yeah, was, was around? That was his weapon of choice. Just to prove a point, that is, this, yeah. and the other guy had a sword. Yeah. And some, okay. And what were, uh, it, so this is what I know, and it's going to be a very ridiculously funny moment, or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll actually know what I'm talking about. So I heard somewhere that what the ninjas were was essentially like clans. They were kind of like outside of society, and they would like kidnap like even like young kids. Yeah, I think they were assassins. They were I'm assass- not sure, to be honest with you. Okay. So, so, so what I heard is that they were like kidnapping literally sometimes even kids of royalty is almost like, a, and then they would castrate them and just focus them just on that and they would like kind of make them oh, into those. Yeah, maybe. You have no idea, you no, know. That sounds so that, like a crazy anime to me. It sounds awesome. I'd love you, to watch it. So <laughs> were they around the same time? Because like, ninjas so. was a real thing, right? Yeah, they were yeah, actual, that's and real. Were they, they lived around the same time, right? Yeah. With samurais and... Yeah, I don't think the things that we think of now is new. That's why I'm asking because I'm like, thing. I wonder how much of that is just like a, but, you know, like a folklore yeah, thing. Yeah, there was a just... tribe of, of warriors that were ninjas. Yeah, there were clans of ninjas for sure. So what were the balloon ninjas? Because like, <laughs> <laughs> in all the film, you know, like, what is that? All those old films with the fucking blue ninjas and the <laughs> yeah, white dude. ninjas and no fucking... Doing Power the, Rangers, though. Yeah, fucking Power Rangers. And they dig through the ground and they do all kinds of shit. Yeah, smoke bombs. Oh, that, that's an interesting one. Do you believe in... Or maybe you don't even believe. Maybe I just don't know. But like, do you think chi is real? Like, is that a real? I I want to, to believe that it is, but no, I don't. You don't think so? No, but I, I do think that there's a lot of like the internal martial arts that that have like some truth to them. But no. I don't no. think so. So that whole thing, even if Natural Geographic is doing that thing with the, I don't know, with the heat and the, that's nonsense. They just like make, so. make it up. I mean, no, in, in my your ex- opinion, yeah, in yeah, my yeah. experience. Yeah. That's, okay. That's somebody who, you know, is trying to, yeah, I think that's a snake. I just don't understand. Yeah. No, because some things that they do is obviously like very impressive, right? Like the Kung Fu Shaolin monks, like you see them like hang from the thing and, Obviously, you can strengthen your body to like really like you go, go with your fingers into like stones eventually and all yeah, that well, stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just from your own life, like you can take the human body to some pretty, to be able to do some pretty crazy things, dude. Yes, but the question but is, there's nothing magical about that. I'm not saying magical. I'm saying, well, by the way, I don't even mean chi in a magical sense. I mean, what if it's a force we don't understand? I think there's probably something like that. I don't know how much you, you never, we have. You never felt it. You never like. No, I think that there's like, there's things that are really well, like a really experienced martial, like it just, so like me and you training together, I could show you some things because you don't have as much experience and you would almost feel, it would almost feel to you like they were mad, like, how can I not put my back on the mat right there? But it's just the position I'm putting my body in. It's the place I'm distributing my weight. It's nothing magical going it's on. It's your understanding of the situation. Yes. But chi is different in the sense that we're postulating an external force that we don't at the moment. Right, but if I told exist. you, if I put you in that position, I told you that I was using a magic chi, chi on oh, you I see, I see and you were saying. a little bit of a sucker. I see what you're saying. It wouldn't be that hard for me to fool you into thinking that I was magical. Okay, that's true. <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is that, and that's confusing to me on a different level because if, if a... If a I guess, you know, again, like a National Geographic, which is supposed to be a channel that I, I would assume would want to be respected for their, you know, like well, they're exploring different yeah, ideas. No, but, but that's what I'm confused. About. I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying if they're like making that up, it's like it's so disappointing. It's like, well, I don't we, think National Geographic's making it up. Well, when, when, I remember one episode where they did this thing on Shaolin and they showed this infrared camera. And they did this thing and you could see kind of something. So I wonder if they just 
like did that in post-production i don't know yeah, if yeah maybe yeah pro that's yeah. what i mean like why would you need to add that i do think like there's a lot to learn from an art like tai chi you know where they talk about the the chi comes out of the dantian which is right here below the navel but really you can learn a lot about just like your balance and your rooting to the floor and stuff like that by just focusing your attention and you can start to feel different. Like when you go to push me and shove me, my stance and my base and my root feels different because of how I'm holding my hip and where I'm putting my attention, but there's nothing magical going on. I'm just orienting my body and putting my attention into things in a, in a more experienced way, in a more nuanced way. Yeah. You know? No, I'm with you on that. I don't like, think I mean, there's anything magical going on. So one thing that that I, I think there's internally there's magical things happening, but I don't think that there's a way to like manipulate that and make you feel it. If I want to manipulate you, and if you jump out there and fight, you get to find out real quick. Yeah. Like, hey, you got chi, you got chi, dude. Just come on out here, knock me over with that chi ball. I'm gonna try to strangle you before you can do that, and let's just see what happens. Tell you what. Just use all your chi. Well, the, well, that's what the Gracie challenge was, really. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey. That's the best part about jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. You, all this talk, let's settle this on the mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on And out. then the whole, and then. You can hit me, you can bite me, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to put you away, but I'm not going to hurt you. Come on out. Which is such a powerful tool. And I guess the retort from the other side that still wants to insist that those things exist is always like, well, you know, some people on that level... And they're not interested in proving anything to anyone. I'm like, and I'm very interested. <laughs> nothing interests me more. <laughs> to see what works. I don't know why you wouldn't want to know what works. Because this is... This well, is if, the point. You, if you know inside what the truth is. Yeah. No, it, this is something, again, that you said uh, one time. And it was very funny. Because you said, okay, it, those people that think that, that they can do all these things, but they just don't want to prove it. How do they know they can do it if, unless they tried it on someone in yeah, real time? Dude, you're telling actually... me you, you can't do this technique because like, I would just pluck your eye out. Well, let me ask you this, dude. How many eyeballs <laughs> do you have in jars on the mantle? Because what you're telling me is that you no, can't I've, yeah. I've never plucked an eyeball out. But if I had to, I would. Well, you don't know how. You've never done it one time. Yeah. What, what other realm in the world does somebody go, well, I've never done that, but trust me. When the pressure gets on and my adrenaline spikes and somebody's trying to stop me, but trust me, I'll be able to do it for the first time ever. There's literally no other thing well, uh, in the world I mean, where people I mean, think drug that. addicts say that and they, they can stop if they want to. We all know that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. No, but that, could you imagine somebody says that? Listen, dude, I never played guitar, but trust me, you put me on stage <laughs> in front of 20,000 people and put that mic in my I face. I'm gonna deliver. <laughs> I've seen it done. The guy who taught me, he's played guitar before. Yeah. In front of 20,000 people. So I know I can. He told me all about chords. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, dude. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've never picked up a guitar. Yeah. And now you're gonna. Yeah. In any other field, we yeah. would go, that's crazy. But something about men just wanna believe that they're capable and it's they can fight. It's not just men. It's not just men. It's I, not just men, but it's particularly men. In fighting. Yeah, I'm no. talking about fighting specifically. Okay, you yeah. know, but I, but I see it by the way as a as a problem across the board. Like, it's just that Dunning Kruger. You just don't know what you don't know. Like you're you you know so little that your confidence is high. But then the more that's you, the American way. The more your experience rises, your confidence starts to meet about right here. You're like, oh wait a minute. It's like so. There's conscious. There's unconscious incompetence. I don't even know how incapable I am. That's where we all start in a given skill. Unconscious incompetence. I have no idea how incapable I am. It's the people who tell me then four million move. dollars they can they can uh, survive in the octagon for one minute. Okay. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we move to conscious incompetence. Oh, I've gotten enough experience now that I'm aware of how much I don't know. That's the second stage. And then you move to conscious competence, where it's like, no, man, I've been doing this for a while, and I've got this amount of skill. I'm pretty aware of my skill set. And it's, you know, it is where it is. 
but eventually you move to a side of mastery where it's unconscious competence, where it's now I can do things that I've never done in this exact way before I can create now in the moment. So I know things that I don't even, my body knows things that I don't even know. And not magic, not in a magical way, but just like a, in the moment, just like you're in the flow. You know what I mean? It's all just still yeah. talking just in the physical realm, but sometimes I'll do, oh man, how did I, how did we end up here? Yeah. You know? I think it's because people are always looking for shortcuts. I of think it was because it's easier to believe that you have this crazy ability. Uh, you just don't want to prove it to anyone because your ego feel, feels great about it. And it, it might, you know, uh, actually funny enough, I always use the MMA example whenever I have this conversation with like a spiritual person and they always have this kind of like, uh, like right now I, have, I find myself in a position which I have to have more and more conversations in between domains, like talking to scientists about certain things and then talking to spiritual people about certain things. And there's, you know, like when you go to the spiritual world, I feel like it's in the stage now that martial arts was before the, the Gracie UFC. challenges mm -hmm. and the UFC. Because there's, there's the exact same situation. Everybody like, no, this is the one, you know, there's all those techniques, they're for different things, but this technique is the, is the technique. This technique is the technique. Okay. Why would the answer to the question what works be any different in that domain than it is in every single thing in the world? Like, we used to build buildings through rules of thumb. Like, there was one guy in the village that kind of knew how to make arcs really well. He didn't exactly understand why they work. He kind of, he devoted his life to it. So, you know, he was there and he was like doing he had it. The experience. The experience, exactly. But he didn't have the, the, the specific, it was a rule of thumb. Then we developed deeper understanding of geometry, of architecture, of like, there was a science behind it, which is like the understanding of what in fact is going on. Now, yes, you can have a shitty architect, but for the most part, you can teach this and you have way more people that, create structures that are very stable. Oh, the, the important part is that now buildings are way more stable on a regular basis versus back then it was like a hit and miss, right? Yeah. Uh, and if you know, like everything follows this trajectory, both for humanity as a whole and for a person individually. Like you can know things kind of through rules of thumb and you can be great at it, but if you also understand the theory behind it and what it is and then you inject, combine the two together, you have a much more like stable thing of what's going on and how to execute it, right? And it's scalable and replicatable. And exactly, which is which is the, the part here. And now you have this like whole thing where people say, yeah, but you know, like there's this big rule, like if, for example, in uh, Buddhist communities, which is like, if you enlighten, you, you, you shouldn't be talking about it. It's like, why? Like if, if, if there's a certain, if we can all be enlightened, and there's a way to do it outside of just like, if, if there's, let's say, shortcuts because we understand the path and we understand the, the things that makes people enlightened, why not figure this out? Uh, why not involve science in this, right? Why not help people do this in a more reliable way, just like now we can build buildings easier, right? W what is being taken away if you can do that? And the example I always give with MMA, which is like, why would you think that there's one thing that can achieve the whole, you have different tools, you bring people, you have the answer now, right? The UFC is the answer, right? Because you have the people who literally devote themselves not to one martial art, but to be the best at taking someone else out. And there's a hundred thousand different yeah. ways and permutations. And of then that. you, exactly. And then you take all the tools that certain things work and certain things don't and different situations and the whole field grows. So why wouldn't you want to innovate? Why would you want to assume that somebody 2,500 years ago figured it all out? Like why, why wouldn't you yeah. why why wouldn't you have a situation in which you understand that yes you have certain techniques that can help you relax certain techniques that can help you like clarify your mind and then you combine all of those just like in MMA to achieve the best results and by the way the thing itself constantly is moving like the the, the you know like the human mind is constantly evolving so maybe the mind is not even the same from two thousand years ago like maybe now no, if, like, you see what I mean like yeah. so you have to like work with with the thing so it it might sound like like an obscure example, or maybe not that related, but to me, it's like, it, it drives me crazy, which is the, you know, the, the, the domain in which people pretend to be the most humble and the most, it, it's such a hubris to say, I know that there's no way to do 
for, like I know for the rest of humanity what is possible, what is impossible. Yeah. The fuck do you know? Yeah, like just, I, just and as soon as somebody starts saying I know, I start going. Eh. No, it's just like whatever. Works. I don't care what the field is. Whatever works. I just yeah. It's hard for me to trust. I trust me. I know. Yeah, yeah, trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, that's that's trust. what made me think of that. Yeah. It's just like, uh, no, trust me. I, I can, you know, I can. We have I to be can, able to measure what ex- we exactly. what, what what we can't measure can't grow, or it doesn't grow consistently at least. Like if you were gonna say, hey man, I want to get strong. I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna start lifting weights. All right, great idea. Uh, how much are you gonna lift? I don't know, man. Just I just let the spirit guide me, dog. Okay. Well, how do we know you're getting stronger? Right. We can test, we could test your theory, your combat theories. Just come on out here, tell me what rules you want to play under, and we'll play under those rules and we'll see what works. Yeah. And then if we really want to dive, do a deep dive into it, we'll train it every day and we'll do it for 20 years and we'll get the answers. You know? Yeah. No, it's exactly what I'm saying. Like involve involve science. Like, okay, so you have uh, again, MMAs and, and and combat sports are the best example because you have like all the examples of getting better at something exist in it to the extreme. So like you have the really good fighters, but then you bring uh, all the funding and the the experience around the organization, specifically let's say with UFC, the facilities, the science, the diet, the like everything, right? Yeah. And now you have- We can at least establish best practices. Exactly. And then we'll and let the, our creative people yeah. work from within the best practices. But you give them the, the, the strongest base yeah. to create this like very, very, uh, I always say, that I think, and actually, I don't know if you can disagree with that or not, but I always say that a modern, like, let's say top three, four UFC fighters, they are literally the toughest motherfuckers in history. Like, they, 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 I don't think there's, maybe you disagree with me, but I don't think there's one gladiator that will be able to take them down if there's no weapons. In hand-to-hand, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would agree with that, hand-to-hand. Yeah. Because there's all this science behind them, not just their physical abilities, because there's all this understanding. But also what, just the phys- I mean, they're dedicated to it. They, the, yeah, it wasn't, a lot more it wasn't as structured, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we would like to romanticize they definitely the had it. Yeah, for sure. But they definitely had it structured. There were definitely, like, systems that those guys used, you know. Like, Back then, you mean? Yeah, for sure. You know, maybe those didn't, they don't translate as well. And maybe they weren't passed down as well. But, I mean, they're armies were organized we know they set up the phalanx and we know they had certain ways that they structured their fighting so i'm sure that they had that for hand to hand as well i mean anything that has that much importance placed on it like hey man you're gonna go out there and fight to the death tomorrow you're gonna take it pretty seriously you're gonna (laughs) you know what i mean yeah no i guess the only thing i'm emphasizing is that role of knowledge is very real like knowledge For is a sure. real thing. I like, think we have more access to martial knowledge now than we've ever had. Yeah, and, that, and, and that's so the thing that makes I, it I, I agree with at least the sentiment of what you're saying. Yeah, so like it, all I'm saying is that it, I don't see any reason why in the spiritual world you wouldn't have the same thing, which is like, hey, if we can figure out in, from neuroscience like what actually happens and we can create something like Neuralink to help us get there. Yeah, I'm interested that's, in it. That's not dirty to me. Yeah. Like people always say, yeah, but there's something unnatural about maybe it. It's like in a, maybe it's like how... If you look at the electron, you change its state. You can't, you know what I'm saying? No, tell me again. Like, well, you know how, like, um, uh, uh, what is it called? I'm not smart enough to even talk about this, bro. What is it? No, I think you... This is where we need Keelan right here to tell me about it. Wait, wait, you you mean in the double slit experiment? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So you're saying like influence things, you know, but here like you see now, but but here's the thing. Now you're postulating an external effect that that, that makes sense of the chi, let's say. Yeah. Right. So it's like the life force. Let let's play devil devil's advocate. Let's right? do it. Okay. So if you do this, right, you actually have no idea how you're doing this, right? How are you doing that? Uh, I don't know. No, really. Like like when you do that, like how is this happening? Like you you like okay. I'm I know what my I'm head. told. Like signals to the brain or whatever. Yeah, but how are head. you actually doing that? That's weird, no right? So I actually don't have that hard time believing. I'm not saying I'm not saying I will believe it just because it feels like it. But I'm saying it's not that crazy to me to believe that whatever force is allowing me to do this is a force that can allow me if I. If I embody it, can allow me to influence something external. Yeah. Because those are the claims, right? And see, the thing is, I want that to be true. Mm. I really want that to be true. But the, I think the major problem that I have with accepting it 
is that that is the domain of charlatans generally. Yes, and a lot of people take take a ride on that. And it's yeah. so it's so hard for me to take anybody seriously because it's a hundred percent charlatans. Almost all it's a hundred percent. Well, I've, again, I, I have one case in which I saw that something kind of like that happened, and I, I couldn't like I, there was no other explanation. But I, I see what you're saying. There's like, no other explanation that you had, or maybe that I could have had, but I don't know that there's no explanation. No, no, I don't. Know I'm not. That. I'm not saying there is no. I'm saying you. that in that situation, it was. It was undeniable that there was not a coincidence. It's like I felt something in my body when somebody else was doing a thing. And then I was like, okay. I was very confused by that because I've never seen somebody that. Somebody hit you with that damn mop, With baby. that damn mop, bro. Oh, the train's going. Sorry. Um, Sorry about the train, friends. My apologies. Well, We're out here in the country, a lot of trains. If you would have this experience, would it convince you, do you think? I'm, I'm open to be convinced. Okay, so, I really if, am so if it would happen convinced. to you, you would be convinced. Yeah. Well, I'm. Yeah, man, I think there's weird stuff for sure. And I really want Chi to be real because I would love nothing more than to be the guy that had it. You know what I'm saying? Fucking like a, like a fucking Yeah, I, I think Chi is real. I just don't think it's what people say it is. Got I don't it. think I'm like going to move you across the room or hit you with my Chi force field or and stop an attacker. I don't think any of that is real. Are there things that we can't see and can't explain? I definitely think that. So Bruce Lee's, what is it, the one-inch Yeah, it's a, it's a trick, it's a technique, it's, it's a, a way to do a thing physically. Okay. Do you think that was real? Like as far as like he could, oh, people kind of jumped back when he was doing it. Uh, probably both. Okay. Probably he could hit really hard like that, and probably people were selling it for him too. Mm. That's always the case, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. I mean, and, and honestly, that's happening in jiu-jitsu when I'm teaching a lot, like because I'm trying to demonstrate slowly so we can pause. Okay, then I'll make this move. Okay, now pause. All right, guys, look at where his weight is distributed. What if he tipped himself this way just Oh, look how easy it becomes if I move his weight. And so... So he moves a little. So from, you tell the uki, uki, draw this exact... The uki is... So in, in martial arts, the tori is the guy who performs the technique, and the uki is the guy who has the technique performed on him. So you tell that the Uki sets, he draws the painting for you. Like he's the one that sets the stage. He's going to, it's like feeding mitts. Like say we're going to box and I pop, pop, pop. You're, you're hitting the mitts hard, but you're not fighting. I'm feeding you. Show me your jab. Show me the hook. Show me the cross. I'm yeah, yeah, you're not resisting. That's right. And I'm, in fact, I'm feeding you the perfect time to throw that uppercut. Right. And, Jiu-jitsu, it's the same when I'm teaching. I'm gonna, not, not, not when you're rolling, I'm not trying to feed you those things. But I'm trying to do, it, during the demonstration, I'm trying to set the uki and I'm gonna teach you this exact moment right here. And when you feel the momentum of that moment, we're just gonna drill that moment over and over. And so you're gonna learn what that moment feels like and then when we take it on to real resistance, when that moment occurs, because you felt it so many times before, you're gonna have a better understanding of how to deal with it when the moment comes. And there'll be variations in real time. And you'll have to learn to move around them and move with them, but it won't be foreign to you because you've drilled it over and over because the uki set the stage for you to learn it. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the uki has to understand the technique better than the guy who's doing it. No, of course. I didn't think of that, that like a demonstration on the mat. It's basically essentially they're doing the same thing. Yeah, it's kata. Yeah, it's it kata. is a kata. And like, and then we, we look at it again back in time and then it looks like all this like, you know, like this amazing thing. Uh, did Bruce Lee compete, by the way? Was he? Uh, no, I don't think he ever. He never competed. So really there's no uh, way. He might have done like some martial arts tournaments, but I don't think there was any fighting involved. So unless somebody competes, you really don't have a way to really assess. Yeah, not, uh, not just compete, but. But fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the idea, it's martial and arts. Yeah. All the art in the world, that's awesome. But if there's no martial to it, it's not martial arts. So it's an equal balance. Some people, like I'm a little more drawn to the art than I am the martial. Uh, but I do love the martial. I do yeah, love yeah, that yeah. part. The impact actually tells you where, where, where because the Because that's the really most is. important part. Yeah. So all of the truth from here 
if I try, oh, I've, I've extracted this truth from the art side, from the philosophy of jujitsu. And then I take it over here and try to put it onto the martial and it doesn't translate. Maybe it wasn't true to begin with. Yeah. And so now I take that truth that I learned over here. I tried to apply it here, but it turns out it's a little different than what I thought. Then it's probably a little different than what I thought over here. But you can, you can, you can inform this by doing that. The, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. hard teaches the, the soft and the soft teaches the hard. No, there isn't one without the other. It's, it's one system. Yeah. 100%. Well, listen, Brandon, I'm, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up because uh, you have a flight tomorrow and I also have a couple hours of drive. Uh, I'm glad you came down, dude. Bro, I'm so I'm so grateful yeah, that you agreed to do this. I, I came to just chat with you and this was like awesome to also record this. Uh, I can't wait to see what, you know, this year and uh, the next few years are going to bring. I feel like uh, there's going to be a lot of amazing adventures. And hey, I might I might see you in Italy. That'll maybe in amazing. Italy, maybe in Spain. Bro, that'll be amazing. Maybe everywhere, dude. Maybe Costa Rica again. Oh, Costa Rica, 100%. Again. Yeah, are we going again? I guess we probably don't need everybody to know about that. No, there's nothing happening in Costa Rica. There is no Costa Rica. Bro, <laughs> you're the man. I'm sorry, cool guy stuff. <laughs> it just like fucking throws me off. <laughs>